You're listening to Simple Roots Radio number 131, and this is the second episode in our metabolism series. And today, we're uncovering what many consider to be the most important hormone in metabolism. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. Today, I'm breaking down more information in metabolism and specifically what some consider to be the most important hormone when it comes to weight loss. But first, let's back up because I want to remind you that this is the metabolism series. It's the one that's going to break through all the myths about weight loss and energy production and really, truly help you understand how your body works so we know how to support it. This is episode number two. If you haven't listened to the first episode, that was episode number 130. You need to go back and do that because in that episode, we break down why calories in equals calories out doesn't work and what the missing component in that equation is. Plus, we just define what metabolism is in itself and how we can better work with our body instead of against it to see the results that we want to see. Because really, at the end of the day, this is so much more than weight loss. This is about getting healthy. And what I believe is that you can't lose weight to get healthy. The only way to get healthy is to focus on that first. And usually weight loss is a byproduct of that. Okay, so today is episode number two. We're talking about the hormone leptin. We're going to dig into what leptin is, how it works, and why we need to know about it. So we're going to dive into all that. Plus, I give you the practical steps that you could be doing to change your hormone status for good. So you're going to want to check that out. But to help you further, I've had some recommendations for handouts. You guys love the free handouts that I give you. I haven't given one in a while. So I decided all throughout this series that I was going to give you practical steps and tricks that you could be doing in your everyday life to make a difference. That's going to be one tip every single week for you to focus on. So if you want to be a part of that, make sure you head on over to the show notes, which can be found at simplerotswellness.com backslash 131 to get all the information on today's show, plus that special handout. And if you just want to make sure that you never miss one, make sure you sign up for my email list while you're there. It's just simply adding your name and email address, and you'll be subscribed to my newsletter. Now, I don't want to be like everyone else and just send you junk emails all the time, but I really want these emails to be of value to you. Inside, I share what's happening in my own life, things that I'm learning, recipes I'm loving, and tips and tricks like this. So if you want to be the first to get all the information and never miss a beat, make sure you're on that email list. Plus, to go along with it, every single Wednesday, I'm starting a live Facebook class that I'll be doing on different things that we're talking about here on the podcast, answering questions, giving cooking demonstrations, and just digging into those tips that I talked about in those free handouts. So if you don't follow me on Facebook, make sure you head on over and find me at Simperitz Wellness to follow me on Facebook and join me Wednesdays at noon Central Time. That's 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. I know it's during the workday for many people, but I hope it can become like a lunch and learn. And if you miss it, don't worry. It's always going to be there for you to go back and find. While you're at it, just follow me on Instagram too, because that's where I show my everyday, day-to-day activities that I'm doing. So anyways, I know that's a lot. 
Again, like I said, make sure you get on the email list and check out that download I'm going to be giving for every episode in this series. Like I said, this is episode two of the Metabolism series. If you haven't listened to the last one, it's going to be so helpful for today's show. So stop this podcast, go back and listen to episode number 130, and then come back and listen to this because it will make so much more sense. So like I said, today is all about leptin. So let's get right into it and define what is leptin. Well, leptin is traditionally known as the quote-unquote stop eating hormone, which obviously means it's instrumental in your hunger and your weight management. And technically, this word leptin comes from the Greek word leptos, which means thin. So I want to tell you the non-technical definition of what leptin is because I think it makes a lot of sense. So the non-technical definition is that leptin controls energy expenditure over the long term by putting the brakes on hunger through sending a signal to the brain when your body's energy needs have been met. So essentially, if leptin is doing the job it's supposed to be doing, it leads to better metabolic performance, brain function, it ends craving and hunger, it leads to mental sharpness, memory coordination, increases your immune system, helps you build bone, and affects the regulation of your mood and your emotions, right? Like no more being hangry. That's the purpose of leptin. And where we want you to be is in a really healthy spot where leptin just does all of these jobs so you feel fantastic. And again, it's all because leptin is the master control of energy expenditure in the body, quote unquote, mitochondrial function, right? Like, of course, there's a lot more involved in that, but leptin is a huge player in this. And it's something that we need to know about. It's a hormone in the body that's being produced in an effort to regulate hunger and fullness, to regulate how your body expends energy or stores energy. And if we go back to what we learned last week and that metabolism is more than just a function of energy in equals energy out, but a system of all the chemical reactions happening in the body. We also then learn that, of course, calories do matter, calories in and calories out. However, the missing component in that equation is caloric storing. And that's where calories change from person to person, right? Like we have to insert caloric storing into the equation because that shows how the calories are being used, how our body is using energy, whether storing it or burning it. And that is the job of leptin. Now, of course, why it's not in the equation is because it's super hard to measure from person to person, right? Like, I don't know the effect of exactly how many calories your body is storing based on someone else's. But what we do know is how many calories on average this apple is having, right? Like, it's a lot easier to measure how many calories are coming in, how many we're burning based on our activity level. It's a lot more difficult to manage your exact metabolic rate on any given day. Can it be done? Of course, it can be done. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of medical tools that most people don't have access to. So the big question is, how can we just regulate leptin so that we can trust that it's doing the job it's supposed to be doing? By that, I mean trusting the process of it's going to signal the right caloric storing or caloric burning, right? This method of storage based on what our body needs to keep us healthy and nourished and fit and in shape, right? That's what we want. And we can get there. We just have to use leptin as a tool. How does leptin work? Like this is the more scientific definition of actually what leptin does and how it works. Leptin works to tell the brain to store or burn energy based on the body's needs. So 
So leptin, again, is kind of that master regulator of the caloric storing in our body, whether we burn energy or whether we store energy based on what our body is providing or based on the environment of our body, which again, I'm going to say that environment word because I don't think often we talk about that, right? Like the different environments, the different times and the places that we eat really do have a huge impact on our caloric storing, even outside of the food that we're eating. So here's how it works. Leptin is produced in different cells in the body. The number one producer of leptin comes from fat cells. So yes, the more fat you have, the more leptin you will produce. And that's a good thing, or it should be a good thing in many cases. However, we've turned that good thing bad when we develop some sort of resistance, which is what we're really going to talk about today. So fat cells produce leptin, but it can also be produced in other places like your kidneys, salivary glands, stomach, and even the placenta, which the placenta kind of predetermines the body weight of a child, right? Anyways, that's a podcast for a different day. But leptin can be produced in all these different places, but primarily it's produced in the fat cells. And there is this linkage, again, that states that the more fat you have, technically the more leptin it makes. So how this works is that leptin is produced in accordance with your fat cells. So once fat cells, once you have enough fat cells for your body to feel quote unquote comfortable, then these fat cells are going to produce leptin, which enters the bloodstream. Once leptin is in the bloodstream, it binds proteins in the blood and that circulate to reach the brain. So once these proteins attached with leptin reach the capillaries in the brain, it can travel across the blood-brain barrier. And once inside the brain, it then binds with receptors on the hypothalamus. So it's basically leptin is the communicator, like all hormones, between your body's fat cells, the storage point of your body, and your brain. And your brain is then going to signal whether you need to eat more and store more or whether you have plenty and you don't need to eat as much. So it's basically regulating your metabolism, the speed at which you burn energy or build energy. And that's leptin's job. So again, leptin lets your hypothalamus know when it's time for you to stop eating and then in turn increases your metabolic rate in order to achieve energy balance. So if you have plenty of fat cells, right, your body is going to tell your body like, whoa, put the brakes on. We don't need to signal hunger. We don't need to crave anything right? We're going to increase our metabolism because your body really wants to achieve homeostasis, even with your weight. In healthy people, it looks a lot like this. You eat, and so your body fat gets increased, right? Which in turn increases leptin, decreasing appetite, and increasing energy expenditure. And that's how you maintain a really healthy weight. So when you know someone who can, quote unquote, eat anything that they want and never gain a cent, it's because they worked really well in some cases, right? In healthy cases with their hormones. And leptin is doing a great job of keeping their energy expenditure in homeostatic measures. We're going to stop and talk about homeostasis in a second. But on the other hand, like conversely, if you don't have enough leptin, traditionally from not eating enough food, like quote unquote a famine, leptin signals the brain and you get the message to be hungry, all while decreasing your metabolic rate. So essentially, if you have enough leptin in your body, you're going to not be hungry and you're going to burn more energy. What we would like to see, right? Like you're going to have an increase in metabolism because of an increase in leptin. On the other hand, if you're not eating enough or you're going through a famine or you don't have enough fat cells, then you're going to have a decrease in leptin, which is going to signal to your brain that there's not enough storage for safety. Therefore, you're going to get hungry and your metabolism is going to go down. You're going to increase your caloric storing. Now, when we talk about homeostasis, right, our body has a measure, 
a set point. And we've had a whole podcast on what a set point is and why our body has it. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that. But essentially, we all have this set point that we're living at. And this is a safety mechanism for our body, just like your blood pressure is, just like your body temperature is. It's a homeostatic measure of your body knows that it's safe to be here. Now, the problem is, is that in a lot of diets, you would look at this and think it's a plateau or you've hit a brick wall, which is really more accurately the case, is that once you even out, it's kind of a brick wall and you kind of have to work around that. But this is a safety mechanism for the body. So while we might look at a weight and think this is unhealthy, for your body, it is actually a safe place. Now, what that's doing to your internal organs and other mechanisms is can be a harmful thing because at the release of leptin also comes inflammation. So an increase in fat also increases your inflammation in your body. So while we don't always want to be there, the biggest job of your body, you have to remember, is always survival. So your body is just trying to keep yourself alive. And generally speaking, the fattest live the longest. And so there is some some internal drive for your body to rather be a little overweight than underweight, and that's for survival. However, once your body gets to a place where it can trust you, where we can work with our metabolism, right, then we can kind of lower this homeostatic set point in our body to be better. Does this take work? Of course it takes work, right? It's not a simple, easy, three-step process like so many diets are. This takes time and it takes your body trusting you, which we're going to talk about weight loss in a little bonus episode because I think it looks differently than so many people talk about. In fact, maybe I'll just bring that podcast, that bonus episode into you on Friday. So check back for that if you want to know how weight loss actually occurs and what to expect and what's unrealistic when it comes to weight loss. But the idea is that leptin is the primary control in these set points and in your plateaus, right? So we have to start to learn about leptin in order to overcome that and maybe lower your weight all while increasing your energy, which is kind of a contradictory thing. If we look at this mechanism and know that if we slow down our eating, then leptin's naturally going to go up and our metabolism is going to go down. It's going to work against us. So decreasing calories, not eating enough, is actually having the opposite effect than what we wish it did. Sure, in time, you might lose some weight. Like, this is why diets work, right? They get you initially off the bat where you start to lose some weight, but all of a sudden, your body's going to freak out and realize, hey, this is not okay. Your metabolism is going to compensate, and therefore, you're going to start to gain weight on fewer calories than you ever have before, and it's going to be hard to maintain. Like, your body can't maintain that. It generally, always speaking, will reach its safe set point. So we really want to stop focusing on weight loss and rather start focusing on, okay, what is our set point? Where does our body feel nourished? How can we work with that to maybe get to a little bit healthier place in a safe way? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So getting back to leptin, you get this idea that leptin is directly controlling our caloric storing, whether our body is storing more or burning more. So the question becomes, how can we get more leptin signaling so we can increase metabolism while decreasing hunger and cravings? Of course, like I said, it's complex, yet hopeful. And we're going to break it down into simple solutions that we can do. But before we get there, we have to know and be clear about one thing. Stop messing with your hormones. And leptin is one of those hormones we just tend to mess with. And therefore, we've created something called leptin resistance, where 
Your body could be signaling all kinds of leptin, right? Like if you think I'm overweight, why is leptin not stop me from getting to this point? And that's because of leptin resistance, which we've created. We've messed with our hormones enough that we now are resistant to them. Just like insulin resistance, right? Leptin resistance is very similar. In fact, many think that leptin resistance comes before insulin resistance. So if you have any sort of insulin resistance going on, more than likely you also are leptin resistant. And what this technically means is that your body and your fat cells are firing all kinds of leptin. There's all kinds of leptin happening or floating around in your bloodstream, reaching your brain. But the problem is, is that receptors have been altered via different things that we're going to talk about. That leptin can interact with different sugars in the body, changing the way that it can react and respond to the hypothalamus. In many cases, it can't reach the right receptors. Either leptin's changed its shape because it's bound to something else in the body, whether it's toxin or sugar molecules, or there's been so much leptin that it's stressed out the receptors on the hypothalamus and your body is no longer getting that signal. So there's a lot of different theories about why we become leptin resistant. We do know what is triggering that. We aren't as clear about what the actual pathway is, but we do know leptin resistance is a very real thing and something that we have to work on. So while in general, I'm talking to a lot of different groups of people here, the person who is already at a healthy weight, like don't mess with that, right? Maintain that and work with your body because as soon as you mess with your hormones, everything in its path is going to be destructed, right? On the other hand, we have people who who are overweight and have tried everything to lose weight and they can't do it. That's because you have leptin resistance and it is impossible, impossible with a capital I to lose weight when you have leptin resistance because your body will always have a slower metabolism because it doesn't know that you're well-fed. It doesn't recognize that you have plenty of fat cells because there's an error in transmission of leptin to the brain. And then, of course, you have people who are maybe starting this healthy journey, starting to get leptin back. How do you fully restore that? And we're going to talk to all of you here. But again, the big idea is stop messing with our hormones. Because the reality is, is if you treat a hormone badly, (laughs) there are consequences. I mean, I think about melatonin in this case and know that we can all understand this, right? Melatonin is the hormone that's released at night to help you reach deep sleep. The problem is we've messed with melatonin so much so that sleeping pills have become one of the number one prescribed medications in America. We have messed with our melatonin so long that many of us don't even produce the right amounts of melatonin anymore and we can't reach deep sleep. How do we mess with it? Things like blue light, not going to bed at adequate times, eating in the different time windows. Like there's lots of different ways we can mess with our hormones and really mess up our bodies in many different ways. So the same goes with leptin. If we can just work with our hormones, then all else kind of falls into place. So how do we mess with leptin? One of the biggest culprits of messing with leptin has been dieting or the lack of extreme lack of calories. The other extreme has been eating processed foods and eating outside a restricted time window, quote unquote, dieting and the food industry. Not to just continuously throw them under the bus, but they're there. And I know diets are constantly circulating and kind of calling you in. But here is reason enough to just let it go. Because the more we mess with the hormones, the more they're going to mess with us. And so here's the deal. Like I said, one of the biggest ways that we're messing with our leptin is through the excessive lack of calories or macronutrients. 
So when our body is going to release leptin, not just in response to how much fat we have, but the nutrient quality inside of our body. And here's the deal. It takes nutrients to create receptors on our brain. So if we don't have a nutrient-dense diet, we might not be processing or creating the right receptors and nutrients needed for these hormones to pass the blood-brain barrier to react with different proteins inside the body and actually reach the hypothalamus in general. So yeah, it could be just a lack of nutrients that's creating the actual resistance in the body. But at the same time, dieting and creating or eating too few calories has actually slowed your metabolism down. It has caused a decrease in leptin, which in time created an increase in fat, and now you have probably excess amounts of leptin in your body. So that's where we see the yo-yo dieting. Another clear way that we do this is that we stop listening to our biofeedback signals, which I still believe are one of the most important things that we could be doing for our body. Like, Drink when you're thirsty. Eat when you're hungry. Stop eating before you feel so full you feel sick, right? But here's the thing. Many of us have overeaten beyond normal energy maintenance levels, which in time harms your body. So let me ask you this. Can you tell when you're hungry and can you tell when you're full? Because I will tell you, there are many people who will tell me that they can't tell when they're hungry. Like they just don't get hungry. And so they just eat all the time. And that's what we've done with leptin, right? Like we've stopped listening to it. So your body stops wasting energy trying to tell you something it knows you're never going to respond to, right? It just doesn't have the energy to, it just doesn't want to conserve the energy to do that because you've stopped listening. So we've kind of overridden the system or hacked the system in the wrong way so long that it stopped producing or it stopped talking to you. We can see this in a lot of other things too, but essentially we've become numb to the stop eating warning. And again, this just showcases the powerful influence of our biofeedback signals. So like I said, leptin tends to be a pivotal hormone in the body as it's positioned with energy and with weight. So the big question, right, is how in the world do we reset leptin sensitivity? How do we get our sensitivity to leptin back so that we can start to work with our body, kind of overcome this plateau or brick wall? And even if you're not concerned about weight, which kudos to you, let's talk about how we can get our energy back because that's what leptin's doing. It's either increasing your energy or decreasing your energy, not to mention it's having an effect, it's kind of frenemies with your thyroid gland, which is having a direct relation to the energy produced in your body and how you feel. But leptin is doing that. So how do we get sensitivity back? Well, I think we have to first note what is causing leptin sensitivity. We've kind of talked about the excess dieting, which has caused us to eat too few calories in time to gain weight in the form of fat, to release more leptin, and therefore to become leptin sensitive. Another thing that I mentioned is that there's a macronutrient deficiency in the body. If we're not providing a nutrient-dense environment for our body, then receptors aren't going to be formed, and these hormones aren't going to have the proper nutrients and proteins to bind to in order to get where it needs to get. Like our body is a series of puzzles, of pieces and keys that unlock other keys. And if we don't have the right nutrient profile, a lot of times we can't create the right pathways for these things to look at. Last week, I kind of shared how intricate metabolism was and then the enormous amount of reactions that are happening inside your body. Those require tons of different nutrients and all the little different circles. And if one 
of those reactions doesn't happen, it has a chain reaction to a lot of other ones. So it's not just affecting one system, but many systems. And that's why once you fix one thing, a lot of times it's just the snowball effect that fixes a lot of other things. But when we talk about a lack of um, receptors or a lack of healthy proteins and building blocks to allow this hormone to reach the brain, which is a process in itself, right? We have to have a nutrient-dense diet, which means we have to have a lot of healthy food. Now, on the flip side, there are things like lectins. So I know that's really close to leptin, but lectins, which are which is spelled L-E-C-T-I-N, these are proteins that are often found in grains, especially in wheat products, um, but a lot of grains have lectins in them. And these are technically proteins, and these bind to sugar molecules. So lectins like to bind to sugar or often have sugar attached, which interestingly, leptin has receptors that these sugar molecules like to attach to. So essentially, lectins allow sugar molecules to bind to leptin. And when sugar molecules are bound to that, it changes the shape of that molecule so that it can no longer interact with the right receptor. If the sugar molecule binds with the leptin, then that leptin is really no longer worth anything in the body. Therefore, another way resistance happens, right? So high lectin foods create sugar molecules that bind with them. The same goes with toxins. Toxins can interfere with the receptors of the body. It can interfere with how the hormone binds the protein to circulate throughout the body. Plus, it can just congest the pathway so that it doesn't function as well as it should. Not to mention toxins you know, pump up fat cells. So technically you'll be producing more leptin in general. So those are some things that we know are are harming our leptin in the first place, right? So we have processed foods, we have toxins, we have lectins, so too many grains in the diet, especially wheat products. We also know that your circadian rhythm has a huge impact on your leptin levels because if you've been falling for a while, then you know one of the things about hormones is that most of our hormones reset at night while while we're sleeping. It's a very rejuvenating, healing process, and one of the reasons we need so much sleep, one of the reasons we can't survive without sleep for very long is because our body is resetting so many things at night, and it's also resetting leptin. So if we're not reaching deep sleep, we're never really resetting the process of this exchange of leptin and ghrelin, which we haven't talked about ghrelin, I'm going to get into that a little bit because it does matter. But we kind of reset leptin so that we kind of reset our flow of hormones. And and you know this, right? Like if you don't get enough sleep, what happens the next day? More than likely, you crave all the things. You're excessively hungry. You you lack energy, right? Which is just a a disaster waiting to happen because then you just eat all the sugary food, comfort food that you can get your hands on. So we know that circadian rhythm matters which means that also food timing matters. And other things that matter is excessive exercise. So anytime our body feels depleted or that it's lacking over the long term, anytime it feels like it needs to go into survival mode, often means that you're going to increase leptin. Another example of how this happens in your body, just so you know that this is true and that you can actually feel this, is if you've ever been sick, like you've had the stomach flu, you haven't eaten, so you have a very calorie-deprived lifestyle for a while, not to mention when you're sick, the amount of energy your body needs 
actually increases quite a bit to help your immune system. I mean, it's just a lot of work to heal your body, right? So when you're sick, you often don't eat enough. Yet at the same time, your body's burning more calories. So you go into this massive calorie deficit. But what happens when you start to feel better? A lot of times you become excessively hungry because leptin has dropped, then all of a sudden your hunger increases and your rate at which you store thing increases because your body wants to maintain homeostasis. So no, being sick isn't as good of a diet plan as many people think. In the short term, it's a really great plan, right? But long term, your body always generally reaches homeostasis again and gets back to the weight you where you were before. And if you do it too many times, it's just going to continue to rise. And the last thing that affects your leptin is stress right? Stress, 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 which we know affects every single thing in the body. Now, when it comes to stress, there really isn't clear answers of how and for whom the psychological stress contributes to metabolic risk. I looked into a lot of research and it's very inconclusive about how this happens. However, we do know that there is a very strong link of excess stress and obesity or overweight individuals plus disease. So we know that there is a linkage. We know it has to do with cortisol and the effects of insulin and all the other hormones that relate to weight, including leptin. So we know stress is a huge player in this. We're not exactly sure of how the leptin hypothalamus axis kind of occurs and why there is such a big correlation between excess stress and leptin resistance, but we do know it's there. So those are the big players in leptin resistance. Of course, those are the big players in any disease, right? Like I say these things, I think almost every single episode. So those are very real problems and probably the biggest problems that we face. So how do we fix this? Because if we fix leptin, right? Like if this podcast stood out to you and you're like, yes, I have leptin resistance, which you know because you have the inability to lose weight, you probably have cold hands and cold feet, you have brain fog, you get hangry, maybe you don't sleep well, you have poor um, energy levels. I mean, infertility, bone loss, a lot of things can be players in leptin resistance. And once you fix leptin, a lot of times these things start to fall into place really quickly. Like you get more energy, you might lose some weight pretty quickly. You're going to have a better immune system, stronger bones. You're going to have better memory. Like all the things are going to kind of fall into place. But the reality is, is it's a snowball effect. So if you fix this, you're going to fix other things. If you found something else in the podcast beneficial, that too is going to help your leptin, right? Because a lot of times it's a lot of the same requirements that I'm giving you. But there are a few different things in leptin sensitivity, like the timing of exercise can matter with leptin. So I'm going to break down the big points that I need you to know when it comes to fixing your leptin resistance, to getting your leptin back and hopefully reducing your set point so that you can increase your metabolism again without feeling hungry. Because that's what we really want to do, right? So how do you increase leptin sensitivity? One of the big things is timing, timing, timing. I mean, there's direct relation between your circadian rhythm or your your sleep and wake cycles, right, with every other function in the body. And if we mess with this too long, we're going to mess with every single hormone in the body. So the biggest thing is timing, 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 which also means sleep more, right? Like we need sleep and we need deep sleep. Which comes first? I mean, I think that if you reset your leptin, if you reset some of these hormones, you're going to sleep so much better. At the same time, if you sleep better, your hormone sensitivity is going to be so much better. So timing, timing, timing can make all the difference. This means that how you eat and when you eat matters, in my opinion, more than what you eat. Yes, 
how you eat and when you eat matters more than what you eat because if you're going to focus on the how and the when, you have to be a little bit more careful about the what. Like you're going to pay more attention to it because then you can't just have free access to any food that you want, right? Whenever you're hungry. So what do I mean by timing? That means time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting. The biggest point that I could give you in any health change is intermittent fasting. And I have podcasts about this, which I'll link up in the show notes, but basically you want to eat all of your food in an 8 to 10, 12 hour window. So that means if you start breakfast at 7 a.m., you need to be fully finished eating for the day by 7 p.m. So time-restricted eating. On top of that, Not snacking makes a really big difference with leptin. And the reason for this is that when we're running these hormones all the time, like insulin and leptin and ghrelin that control our hunger and fullness, we just totally mess with our biofeedback signals because our body is not designed to have food in its system all the time. It needs breaks in order to reset our system. We can either digest food or we can pump our energy elsewhere. And as long as we're digesting food, we're really never resetting these hormones. So not snacking is really, really critical if you want to reset leptin sensitivity. So having three meals, maybe four if you really need to, but I really like to stick with three meals a day. Timing, 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 it matters. And again, it all goes back to keeping a circadian rhythm. And if you focus on time-restricted eating, which I feel like it's got to be the easiest thing because it doesn't take into account what you're eating, just means you just eat it in a smaller window of time, then you will sleep better, which will help reset your hormones in general. So timing, timing, timing. Another point is to eat less at night. So start with your biggest meal of the day and slowly transition into smaller meals as the day goes on. So breakfast should be the biggest, lunch should be another decent sized meal, and supper should just really be, you know, like a smaller meal. You shouldn't even really feel like you necessarily need it, but it's there. So eat less as the night goes on. On the flip side, it's better to eat less carbohydrates in the morning and more in the evening. So as your meals get smaller, you can generally have a higher proportion of carbohydrates. Now, I'm not a macronutrient counter at all, but what I do focus on is looking at my plate and thinking, okay, do I have all the macronutrients? Do I have a good protein source? Do I have plenty of healthy fat? And then do I have plenty of natural vegetables, uh, like carbohydrates in the form of fruits and vegetables that are good for us? So as you look at your plate, your breakfast should contain more protein and fat. And as the day goes on, you can slowly add more carbohydrates. Again, this is just to help reset lemton. Of course, cutting out sugar, right? Like sugar is one of the number one influencers of the hormone leptin, changing the shape and how it reacts to the receptors on the cells. So sugar, just like insulin, is one of the number one players in resistance inside our variety. On top of that, what we know about leptin is that when leptin's released, so is inflammatory markers in our body. So fat releases a lot of inflammatory markers in our immune system out into our body. And so one way to help make leptin more sensitive is to reduce the amount of inflammatory causing foods, which are like sugar and lectins. So all the things that we kind of talked about in here is reducing those um, to reduce inflammation, which goes into avoiding lectins. So trying to reduce the grains, especially getting rid of gluten in the diet, which is the number one source of most lectins in most people's diets, that can be a huge player in the resistance of the body and your hunger levels and all hormones in general. And some other ones that maybe don't seem as um, vague, right, as some of these maybe, but taking a cold shower. And so 
One interesting way that I studied that you can um, increase sensitivity in your body is at the end of the shower to turn it cold for like 30 seconds to a minute, like not just chilly, like cold water, which is good for a number of other things, reducing inflammation, increasing your brain power, and so many other things. But that blast of cold can help make your body more sensitive to leptin, and it interferes with how your body's fat cells are actually responding to your in your body. Remember, fat cells are not just there. They actually are their own organ system. They reduce a lot of their own um, hormones. They communicate with the body in different ways. So it really does making a difference. Um, Make sure your estrogen level is okay. If women and men don't have the right flow of estrogen, leptin will be messed up. So making sure that you have enough estrogen. I think everyone's kind of been scared of estrogen, but estrogen makes a difference. So making sure you have your estrogen level is okay. And the last thing is, is to chill out, right? Like to de-stress. We know that our emotional response in the body is one of the number one factors of our health. We talked about this in the mindset series all summer long. I won't get into it much here, but I could really do every single podcast about the emotional response in the body and how big of an impact that has. But stress, 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 we know is one of the number one players in disease in the body, and it is no different here. So we have to figure out ways to kind of relax, not to just eliminate stress because that's impossible, right? But to chill out, to find ways to de-stress whether it's taking deep breaths to oxygenate the cells, which help with sensitivity, or if it's to walk or just move your body more, if it's to read, if it's to relax, if it's just to create white space. We also know that there's endless studies coming out about the benefits of meditation or prayer. All of those things can be super powerful. And then doing those, right, and just picking one of those, your body is going to slowly become more sensitive to leptin, and it's going to start doing the job that it was supposed to be doing. Now, before we end this podcast, and not to confuse you anymore, because like I said, these recommendations are pretty much the same across the board, no matter what you're trying to do. But there is one more player when it comes to leptin and leptin sensitivity that's going to make a difference in this, and it's the hormone called ghrelin. Ghrelin changes before leptin does. We don't have a sensitivity issue to leptin right away, right? It happens because of a change in ghrelin. So hacking your ghrelin could actually get you even more control. So ghrelin is technically our hunger hormone because it increases appetite. It's released from your stomach and intestines with blood levels reaching their highest point during normal fasting levels. So what we need to know is while I'm telling you to have time-restricted eating, what we know is ghrelin is going to be at the highest level when we're not eating enough or when we're over-exercising or we're fasting too much. So you might be thinking, whoa, 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 you just told me to restrict when I'm eating to help reduce cravings and hunger and help me to burn more fat, right? Like to change the caloric storing in the body for our benefit. But here's what happens. So ghrelin is at its highest level in the absence of food. And as soon as you eat a meal, ghrelin drops in response to the nutrients circulating in your blood. Again, the nutrient value changes ghrelin. So it's not like all of a sudden the meal's there. As soon as food's there, ghrelin's gone. No, ghrelin goes away and and response to the nutrient value of that meal. So let's say you're just eating a meal that's dead calories, right? Like it's just a lot of sugar and there's not a lot of nutrients. You can then just continuously pump out ghrelin because you didn't provide your body what it needed. Again, ghrelin is a signaling molecule to your brain to say, yes, we're getting the right nutrient profile that your body needs to 
to to live, to be nourished, or no. So let's just continuously signal hunger because the best idea is that you'll eventually eat what you need. Now, kids do a great job of this, right? Like ghrelin signals, they tend to eat what their body needs. Sometimes that's all protein. Sometimes it's all carbs. Sometimes they don't eat at all. Sometimes you can't stop them from eating, right? Like they do a really great job of of listening to their biofeedback signals if left to do this on their own. However, adults just don't because we've believed so many emotional ties to food, the emotion always trumps what we really know what we should be doing. So here's the thing though. If you're eating a dead calorie diet, you're going to constantly be hungry. And there's a lot of reasons for this, but one of the reasons is ghrelin. And ghrelin works in response with leptin. So if ghrelin's kind of always in the picture, what's going to happen is leptin isn't going to fire, even if you have excess fat stores. And so you're these calories, these dead calories that you're consuming are going to, one, trigger you to be hungry all the time, but they're also going to get stored and your metabolism is actually going to decrease because even though you're eating calories and even though you might be eating a plenty of calories, if they're the wrong calories, they're not working for your body. And therefore, your body has to continuously signal to eat something until you provide it what it needs. This is what a lot of people would consider nutrient-starved hunger. So it's where you're maybe even overweight and eating all the foods, but you're actually starving your body. So yes, you can starve your body and be overweight, what most people would consider obesity, um, but it's just essentially where you're not providing the nutrient density that it needs, and it throws off this entire system starting with ghrelin. So what changes ghrelin? Well, one, eating a nutrient-dense meal makes all the difference. Ghrelin's going to plummet, leptin's going to increase, and your body's actually going to be sensitive to it because it has the nutrients it needs to thrive. On the other hand, we also know that fat and ketones, not that I'm promoting ketosis here, but ketones we know work really well to reduce ghrelin in the body so that you're not as hungry, you stay more satisfied longer. We know this though, right? Like if you eat a meal that's higher in fat, you stay more satisfied longer. Therefore, ghrelin doesn't come into the picture. And so what we know is when we fast for prolonged periods of time, while ghrelin in some cases will rise, what happens is basically breaking fat down and producing ketone bodies. And we know ketone bodies acts as a fuel source so ghrelin doesn't have to go on the rise. Like it's a safe, healthy place for your body to be in the short term in what we call cyclical ketosis, right? So any prolonged fast, whether it's 24 hours, some would even say that we release ketones in an, um, a 12 to 18 hour window. I think you have to get up there more of like the 16 to 18 hour window to release enough ketones, but it's why you can do intermittent fasting and do it well and not feel hungry. It's because your body's producing other energy sources from fat, which is a healthier place to be. The same time, you can make it without snacking only because you're eating healthy fats. So healthy fats is a really critical player when it comes to ghrelin. But even when we look at macronutrient profile, right? Like if we're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and we don't have a lot of fat with that, we're not absorbing a lot of the nutrients that our body needs because fat is an absorption mechanism for the body, right? And so we need this fat in order to absorb a lot of these nutrients, plus Fat tends to be the building blocks, the cholesterol that our body needs to produce these hormones in general. So fat doesn't make you fat, but fat is actually really helpful. 
So the big point is, is you want to fix leptin. You got to first fix ghrelin, which means time-restricted eating. Eat more fat. Eat a more nutrient-dense diet because you don't want to be the person who's actually starving your body on excess amounts of calories, which happens all the time. And again, another good example of why calories in equals calories out is not a good judge of anything because you can eat a heck of a lot of calories, you can burn a lot of calories and still be starving your body. So it means nutrient value. And that's what I want to push over and over. The more nutrients our bodies can absorb, the more nourished we're going to be, and the more this whole system works together without us even having to think about it. So that's leptin in a 45-minute nutshell. You're probably thinking, oh my gosh, I ate this metabolism series. You didn't know you were going to have to go back to college, health classes, but it really does make a difference. So if I can express some points, we have to start working with our circadian rhythm, which means timing, timing, timing. Matters so much more than what we eat, but at the same time, our nutrient value changes everything. So it doesn't mean that we have to have this strict, super rigid diet, right? But what it means is once we get into this flow of providing excess amounts of nutrients, if we have cake once in a while, it shouldn't matter because our body has what it needs. It's living nourished within the circadian rhythm that our body does. And that's where we see metabolic efficiencies. That's where we see an increase in metabolism. That's where we see our body running smoothly. It takes in what it needs, gets rid of what it doesn't, and you live in metabolic homeostasis and a happy set point, and you live happily ever after, right? Like, that's the idea. So the big thing is, again, I'm going to give you one tip to start all of this process over at simplerettswellness.com. you got to go back and get the download number one. From last week, download number two, because these are tips that you can slowly implement into your life that have this big snowball effect. Don't implement all this at once because that's overwhelming, but just pick one thing. I'm going to give you one simple thing that you can do today that's going to change this, and I'm going to talk about it all week long. So hop on Facebook Live at noon on Wednesdays to get the tip and how you can do that all week long. I promise. I promise. Yes, this seems complex. Our bodies are so sophisticated. We don't even know the half of how our body works. But what we do know is that nourishment makes all the difference. Nourishing your mind, nourishing your soul, nourishing foods, and nourishing activities. It really is about the environment, and that makes all the difference. So let me help you do that. Don't leave overwhelmed, but leave empowered knowing that small changes make all the difference and simple things. That we don't even have to start with what you're eating, but just simply start with simple changes like time-restricted eating, which I shouldn't even say time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting. I hate the word restricted because then you automatically think I'm restricting you. But intermittent fasting can change everything and get the snowball rolling. So start there. Head on over to the show notes to get more information. Let me know. What did you think about leptin? Was this completely overwhelming? Do you have endless amounts of questions? Please send them in because I'm going to answer all of them. We are going hand in hand through this metabolism series. And we are going to change the way you view your body, the way you do health for good. You're going to want to stay tuned. I have more episodes coming up. Next week, we're going to have an interview on. I'm going to break up just my lessons, these hardcore lessons, with some interviews so you don't get overwhelmed by me. We're going to come back then the following week and talk about the autonomic nervous system and how your brain actually affects 
how you store food and what you do with it. So again, we're going to take this a little bit further in that, but come back Friday because I want to kind of give you a short bonus episode to break down how you lose weight and why it's so different than what people think. It does not look consistent at all. And there's full reason for that. So head on over to the bonus episode to learn more about that. Stay tuned. This metabolism series is just kicking off. So I hope you love it. Like I said, send all your questions to Alexa at simplerootswellness.com. I respond to every single email. I pride myself in that because no one does that. Everyone advises me against it, but I still do it because I care so much about you. So leave a comment over on Facebook, on Instagram, send all your questions. I will be answering them for you. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Don't forget to come back Friday for a quick bonus episode on how you lose weight and why it doesn't look the way you think it does. In the meantime, don't forget to head to the show notes, simplerosswellness.com backslash 131 to get all the information, to get that download, and to join me on that newsletter. Oh, and I'm going to say it because I haven't said, in a, said it in a while. If you love Simple Roots Radio, please, please, please tell your friends and family about it. Get them to join in on this podcast, on this journey of living health in a different way. And while you're doing that, would you mind leaving a rating and review? I mean, nothing really matters more to a podcaster than those ratings and reviews. They make it possible for other people who wouldn't otherwise hear about the show to find it and join this and this mission to live healthy without living strapped to your health. To leave a rating and review, head on over to simplerootswellness.com backslash review. It really will take you two minutes. If you've already done it, you don't have to do it again. You only have to do it once, but honestly, the feedback means the world to me. So head on over there to do that. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I will be back Friday with a special bonus episode.